What up, everybody? It's your boy Emmanuel. It's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. I am back, and I am in the living room of the one, the only, the talented, the passionate Miss Sharon Maxwell. Good evening. What's up, Portland? What's up, millennials? Hey, let's go. It's all the way lit. So, um, you had we I met you at the at the Kansas Forum. Yes. And uh I must say, like you had the most passion, the most energy. And I was like, I gotta get her on the show. Like yes. I didn't I didn't reach out to everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. But you were one of yes. the first people I reached yes. out to. So yeah. I thank you for doing the show. Thank you. You know. I appreciate this opportunity to Word. speak um to the millennials and to this age group because i do have four adult children mm -hmm. their ages are 25 27 29 and 34. Mm. so they're in your age group and so i you know definitely connect with that age group yeah where so if y'all do not know who she is uh, miss sharon maxwell is running for County Commissioner? Yes, County Commissioner. District for 2? District 2. Mm -hmm. that's, so that's what's up. That's why she's on this show. And she's actually, she. this is going to be her position. So let's that, just, let's go ahead and speak this into existence. Let's uh, not. Okay. You know. Commissioner Maxwell. Commissioner Maxwell. All right. So that's that's how y'all know her. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Word. So, yes. um, so tell us, you know, who you are, where you're from and, and why you're running. Sure. So I'm native to Portland, born and raised here always pretty much have lived in north northeast portland my grandparents came here in the 50s my mom actually came here with me in her stomach in the 60s mm. she was raised by her first cousins and um, i've grown up and uh, went to vernon um, humboldt i was in head start uh, there's actually a, a colleague who uh, uses this term that she went to high school when she was in Head Start, but I have to call her out and say, Lakeitha, I think I beat you by a few years because I was in Head Start at Jefferson. Uh -oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah. So um, my parents, um, they purchased um, a home on 17th between Killingsworth and Jarrett. Mm. So I spent most of my I would say middle school years, high school years, up until the time that I went to college, um, living there on 17th, and uh, graduated in 1980, you know, 82, so Senators, what, what, Madison, and uh, went to Portland Community College, um, and then started my family early, so um, uh probably about 1993 uh, when the community really went through the war on drugs, mm -hmm. was devastated and blighted. Um, I lived on Roselawn Street, which had been named Crack Alley. Mm -hmm. And um, seeing that um, I'm a believer, um, I would always pray and say, Lord, I know that we're better than this. And I know that um, our community is better than this. And I said, if this community is gonna turn around, then we have to we have to be the ones to do something about it. So I had heard about um, the construction trades program at Portland Community College that Senator Margaret Carter and Senator Gordon Smith had brought to that campus. And when I went up there and found out about the courses they were offering, 
carpentry had really stuck out in my mind mm -hmm. and I recognized it as an opportunity to get a, a real living wage because carpenters, a journeyman carpenter makes um, almost $35 an hour and that's without benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's another 12 to $13 um, and when you add that on, they're making almost 40 something dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. And so I went through the construction trades uh, program. Um, I tried to get in as a carpenter, but at the time they were really discriminating against women. So I got. So say you probably were one of the few. Yes. I, mean, I didn't. Yes. I haven't known too many women carpenters in my life. Yes, I only I met a few that um, were on my first project. So I ended up getting into the plumbers, pipe fitters, and steam fitters okay. as a pipe fitter. Yeah. And so my apprenticeship was actually as a sprinkler fitter. Mm -hmm. And so my first job was the rose quarter. Wow. And I was completely pumped. So you helped put that together. Yes. Wow. So if you go to the rose quarter and you look on, there's a marble slate on the west side of the building of the entry if you're in the center of the, I would say the open square mm -hmm. and look for my name. It's mm -hmm. Sharon Maxwell Hendricks because that was my married name. And I'm one of the almost 2000 employees that worked on that project. Yeah. So um, I really enjoyed <clears throat> doing the work. And what I recognized is that the work would be awesome for the people who lived in North Northeast Portland. So immediately I started taking the courses to be able to start my own business even while I was going through my apprenticeship wow. because I just seen the possibilities mm -hmm. and I really felt like, you know, God was giving me that passion. Um, I was a business major at the time. All of my high school and my college courses uh, prior to that were uh, as a business major. So I, I knew already how to run a business. Um, as a high school student, I was a KFC manager, so I already had the business background. I just was refining and refiring my tools, getting my tool bag um, filled up with the things that I needed mm -hmm. so that once I completed my apprenticeship, I'd be able to run my own business. And so in 1999, I started my own business, and that name was Hendrix Loyal Construction. And we started out, me and my ex-husband, doing resi residential renovations because at the time the neighborhood was so was in bad shape. Mm -hmm. We had over 2,000 houses and buildings boarded up. People were leaving the community in droves because the gang violence at that time was at its highest Wait, height. What year did you say you started? That was in 1999. Yep. Yep. And the crack <clears throat> epidemic was still going strong. Still then. going strong. No yeah, yeah. And so, but I had a vision. I had a mm -hmm. passion because I seen that people needed jobs. I seen that folks, you know, needed hope. And I just knew that the God we serve is bigger than our circumstance or our situation. Mm -hmm. So when I started the business, I was able to hire up to seven people. But then I went and became a member of OWAMI, which is the Oregon oh, yeah. Association of Minority Entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And in my first year, I just went to OWAMI every month and I wanted to pick up the resources and get the support, the technical assistance that I needed to grow a construction company. Mm -hmm. Being a woman in a non-traditional trade 
was pretty um, a heavy lift at that time. And I was facing odds, you know, to, to show up in a, I would say in a man's world. Mm -hmm. Um, Many times people did not want me there, but I knew that's where I wanted to be. And so as a member of Awami, I just seen that there was going to be more opportunity if I changed my business model from a residential business model over to a commercial construction model. Mm -hmm. So I changed my name of the business and it became Boanerges Group. And people will go, Boanerges, what is that? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you ever read Mark, the third chapter, the 16th and the 17th verse, it refers to the the surname of the sons of Zebedee. Mm. They were surnamed the sons of thunder. Well, you have Sharon, the daughter of thunder, moving therefore in the demonstration of the spirit of God with Mm -hmm. signs and wonders following. Mm -hmm. So every time that I... I am in the interview. Thanks. Hey, you know when you in your living room, hey. your, your family just walks in. That was my mama, Johnny oh, May. Mama could have came in here and chill for you know for a second. So I was right into that point. Um, the surname, the sons of Zebedee, were surnamed the sons of thunder. That's what Boanerges means. Mm. And the meaning is that they moved in the demonstration of the Spirit of God with signs and wonders following. Mm. And the reason why I chose that name is because I knew that I couldn't do it in my own strength. Mm. What I had the vision and the passion for, to be able to hire people, learn how to run a construction company, and be able to get the contracts that I knew would be able to pay folks Um, execute those contracts successfully and be able to get what I needed. So um, Owami was very um, helpful in providing technical assistance. And so I was able to grow my business. My first contract, I went from a $50,000 contract all the way up into um, 2012 to winning a $60 million contract with Hoffman Construction and Pacific Mark. So wait, wait, real quick. What does that mean for you? When you get a $60 million contract, how much of that is spent and how much of that, if you don't mind disclosing? Sure, sure, sure. So I can tell you that opportunity was huge for a small business like mine and a small GC. My company, um, Boanerges Group and Pacific Mark, both were MWESB, minority businesses. So Mm -hmm. they were also a small business, um, minority business. And Hoffman was to be our mentor on this bond project that Mm -hmm. the voters had passed for all of the PCC campuses to be remodeled. Mm -hmm. And um, we had negotiated um, how much out of that 60 million each of us as general small generals would get um, to uh, the opportunity to manage a certain percentage of the 60 million so my portion was to be anywhere from three to about six million dollars okay and I think Pacific mark was to get also about somewhere between six maybe to eight okay um, I was actually my company was on th- all three of the teams that were going for that contract so I was on Skanska's team I was on Lee's Crutcher Lewis team and it was Hoffman that asked me last to be on their team 
because I am a PCC Diamond alumni. Mm. And a PCC Diamond alumni is someone who is an alum that has done something significant to contribute to the community. So I was nominated by another student for that award. And so when PCC actually um, celebrated their 50-year celebration, they selected 50 alums out of the community and to do that celebration and I was one of the first 50 wow. alumni that's yeah. awesome that's yeah awesome. and that was um the contract to be able to win that was like very a momentous occasion mm -hmm. I had just um hired 10 new staff persons we had just went through a um, nine month uh, SBA E200 program to create an accelerated three-year growth plan so that I could grow the company and to being um, a more solid firm mm -hmm. and to be able to uh, not only pay my workers, but pay myself a really See, that, that's good what I'm income. Talking about. I don't want to get all, all up in your business, but I kind of do. <laughs> yes. So as a business owner, yes. you get $3 million contract. So I mean, that money has to be, you have to put that towards. So you have to manage that. So with, over, and how long would that process take? So a $3 million contract would probably take you anywhere from, just depending on mm -hmm. the scope of work mm -hmm. and the rigor, the difficulty of the scope of work mm -hmm. um, and based on what you're doing. So say if it was like I had the Broadway Bridge in 2010, um, I was awarded the lead abatement and painting contract, and we also did the saw cutting for the streetcar that goes across the Broadway Bridge. So your company worked on it? Yes. So, mm. my, so my company lead abated the bridge and painted it. And we when it had that big old diaper on it, yes, that was y'all. Yes, oh that was goodness. us. And that oh was in 2010. Yeah. So that contract um, for us netted about 1.5 million to the company. To the company, and, and so you put about half a million in your pocket, right? And yes, then, <laughs> that, <and> then... <laughs> that was that was the goal. But you know, that was my largest project to date. Yeah. Um, we I should have cleared 150 thousand dollars. Uh, profit on that project, but mm -hmm. we ran into a glitch mm -mm. where um, we had um, assessed what we needed and the air machine, in order to um, do the sandblasting, you had to prevent any lead dust from escaping the containment. So I had an engineer do the um, the the math to tell us what type of air unit size we would need mm -hmm. and it was nothing compared to what we actually needed so we ended up had we went from a 1500 cu air unit to a 50,000 mm. 50,000 it's pretty expensive air unit so mm -hmm. We actually did not buy it, but we leased it from mm -hmm. a company who owns it, and they lease it out to contractors for mm -hmm. the work. But the thing about it was that it was already being used by another contractor somewhere else. Mm. So we had to wait until the machine came available, and it took us into the fall rainy season, mm. and that just blew out the whole profit 
on that project. That's why construction, you really have to get your uh, consultants on board early mm-hmm. on. You have to make sure, and, and, and I did, mm-hmm. but you know, that was my our first big contract to um, execute. But I did get help from Hamilton Construction, which mm-hmm. was another mentor, mm-hmm. large general, and they were very, very helpful. They said, Sharon, we're gonna make sure that you are a success mm-hmm. on this project. And I'm very thankful for Hamilton Construction because they 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 took a risk, mm. but it was a good risk. That's good. Yeah. Well, God bless them. You yes. Know what I mean? Doing yeah. Some good and work. and he did. Yeah. And he did. Okay. That's the thing about it is that when you help people of faith, that goes much further than what people think. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just equal one plus one, but but oh, ain't when no it, telling. But yes, yeah, so ain't there's no an exponential factor you know, mm-hmm. that is added to it when you bless people and their believers. No doubt about that. So you so you know how to you know what it is to be a boss. Yes. You know what it is to work with a lot of different people. Yes. Um and juggle relationships. Yes. And build. Yes. In yes. more ways than one. More ways than so, one. So tell me first of all, let's lay the groundwork. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know all the political stuff and I'm still getting hip to it yeah so what does district two consist of for portland sure what what area town is that so district two is all of north portland from the columbia river down to burnside out to 181st so if you can picture that st john's out to 181st from the columbia river which is um say dillard's beach Mm-hmm. down to Burnside, which Burnside is the bridge um, that is the second bridge after the steel bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that is pretty much... That's the, a huge area. That is. That's the heart and soul of Portland, yeah. District 2. Yeah. So it really covers quite a bit. All of the, I would say, the inner city. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For yeah, because sure. so, you, you have all of St. John's, you have all of the inner... Northeast, then you have 82nd, then you have 122nd, then you have 162nd, mm-hmm. and then we go into Gresham. We really? go into Gresham. Yeah. You said 181st, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. Gresham starts at 162nd. Okay. So part of Gresham is in district. I did not know that. Yes. I thought Gresham was 181st on that. No. It is. So it, it goes to 181st. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but Gresham starts at 162nd. Yes, okay. but it starts at 162nd. So like Rockwood or whatever. Yes, okay. Rockwood is Gresham. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So why are you running? Well, I'm running because, you know, I have not seen our elected officials um, that have been in this seat be effective and efficient in making sure that the people in District 2 first of all, have the right representation. There's too many people that have been displaced, Mm. pushed out, are houseless and homeless, people who economically are at the lowest end of the economic specter, are not getting hired in jobs, and we've seen over 300,000 people move to this region in the last five years, and they've all been able to get jobs. There's a problem Mm -hmm. because the existing people should be able to get hired into these types of careers and get paid what they're worth. 
You know what I've seen though? I, I haven't seen with this this boom. boom. Yes. People are coming in. They're starting businesses. Right. 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 So there's a lot of entrepreneurship going. Yes. On. Yes. So there's a lot of, and and then there's people that are coming from like California. Right. We know a lot of Californians right. come up here. Right. And so when they, fortunately for them, when they sell their homes, they get, they get a lot of money. They get top and dollar. They, and they come they come over here. Right. They buy a house. Right. And they got a lot of money left over. Yes. So they they're playing with capital that we don't have. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So how do you? I mean, how do we even? It's like it's not. It's never going to be a level playing field. The economy is the economy. Right, you but know? there's something that we haven't been able to access, and what that is is that we can leverage our data, which is being used by other people, and there have been funds that have come to the county and the city mm-hmm. for our benefit that haven't been given to us in the way that it's been given to other people. So make that look for me like what exactly? So like exactly, block grant dollars for housing. So the city gets money, the county gets money. So instead of them allowing that house crisis where the mortgages went into foreclosure, Mm -hmm. they could have actually um, did some gap spending to prevent people from losing their homes. Um, the city could have gave low interest loans to um, property owners to upgrade their properties so that it could have created a win-win wealth creation situation. Instead of them selling the properties for pennies on the dollar, they could have upgraded it and leased it out to the new people coming in instead of selling them the land and the property and getting a small amount of money and then having to move to another part of the the city and that still hasn't given them the same type of benefits had they been leasing these properties out and getting income on a monthly basis so where did the money go so if if they had money set aside and they didn't spend it 300 no they did they did spend it so 357 million dollars of the portland housing bureau's money was given to wealthy developers supposedly to build affordable housing but they didn't build affordable housing you see all these apartment buildings downtown portland those are not affordable those um are being filled up with people new people coming in that can pay what three thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. or buy them as a condominium for what three to four hundred thousand and so then those property owners are getting a a a bank on top of if they have 50 units 50 condominiums and they're selling them be somewhere between 300 to a million and they should have rented them for for anywhere from say a two bedroom um should go for 800 to 1200 dollars but they're getting what uh see 300,000 to a million dollars to buy it, what do you think? Mm -hmm. So that's a problem because the money should have went uh, to low-income families to build apartment complexes and housing to be able to house working class people, not just low-income people, Mm -hmm. but middle-income and people who are getting paid really good money. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the other things is that 
and that's happened in Portland is that uh, we have some players like Home Forward who sold their portfolio of low-income houses that were in North and Northeast Portland. That further makes the um, housing problem worse because those units were rentals. So what is home? What was that? What was Home Forward? Is home that like a for- nonprofit or something? So Home Forward is the Housing Authority of Portland. That's their old name. So the new name, mm. Home Forward. So, so the, the building has to be on Fifteenth uh, and Killingsburg. No. no, so that's um, Habitat, Habitat, Habitat for, for okay. Humanity. Home Forward is downtown in okay. Southwest Portland on Second and Ash. Mm-hmm. So they are the ones that give the sex- Section Eight vouchers okay. that have the low income rentals. So they pretty much manage um, Old Columbia Villa. Mm. They manage like apartment complexes throughout the whole city. Right. But the properties um, that they sold, the most of them were in North and Northeast Portland. Mm. So there you have a lot of people that got displaced and moved, pushed out to East Portland, mm-hmm. 82nd and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so not only did they get pushed out to 82nd and beyond, but they got pushed away from services and from a community where they had babysitters, child care effective schools, people Mm. that know them, employment. Um, Now it's harder to to, to get transportation, to get into the city to work. Um, The traffic now where it used to only take, what, 10 minutes from Northeast Portland to get downtown, it's taking anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes in the morning Mm -hmm. to get from Killingsworth down to Broadway. Mm -hmm. And that's on like... MLK, Vancouver, Albina, Interstate, even the freeway is jacked up mm-hmm. because 300,000 people does a whole lot of stacking oh, yeah. on, on your streets. So when I, when I hear, you know, candidates talk about issues like that, mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, granted, I'm not in politics, mm-hmm. you know, but outside looking in and just looking at the whole country. Yeah. This yeah. gentrification is happening all over the country. It is. It so is. So is it is there anything truly sustainable that can be done to prevent yes. the plan that's already been in place for decades? Yes. All right. So what, what do you say? So as a native to Portland, I know the history. I understand how it happened and what happened. And so the key here, um, and this is like at all of the forums I go to, when they only give us three minutes to respond, (laughs) I can't tell you everything to bring it all in perspective. That's why I got you here. So you can give the whole full meal deal. So it's sort of like this. If you had a plate and you know that you need to have a balanced dinner, you have, need to have some protein, you need to have some vegetables, you need to have some starch and in order to have a complete meal. Mm-hmm. And so the problem that we're dealing with here, the number one issue is about economics. Okay. When you have people who are being oppressed and marginalized and devalued and you're making them codependent on systems Mm -hmm. instead of empowering them Mm -hmm. and then you break down the foundation of their families to where they're constantly 
uh, struggling because they don't have everything that they need to invest in that solid foundation. So their 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 foundation has been cracked mm-hmm. and stripped away from them. And so then what you do is say, oh, we'll break you off a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But it never makes them whole. Mm-hmm. And so then you have uh, other groups of people who basically will side with the or- oppressor because they can they can see that this one group of people is getting a bad deal in the process. Mm-hmm. So then they don't want to really be associated with the group that doesn't get a full meal deal. Mm-hmm. And so then there's constantly always this struggling and you're saying, well, okay, how come this? But really what it has to... Um, come to is that first of all we don't have a gang problem we have an economic problem Mm. anytime uh, adult people cannot have success in their life and have access to the capital that will give them the ability to sustain themselves and provide a living for their family then they then um, default to survival mode. Mm-hmm. And so how I see it as commissioner, I want to be a strong advocate and champion for strong families. What does that mean? The county provides all human services. The first three is where I want to go. So we're talking about mental health. We're talking about public safety. We're talking about public health. All three of those tie together and I'll tell you how. The mental health piece, because um, people have been traumatized by the war on drugs, by the breakdown of their families, folks need counseling services, and because of the um, the gang violence, which has really created, um, what's the word I want to use? Trauma. Let's mm-hmm. just let's just cut to the chase. Yeah. A lot we've experienced a lot of trauma here in this community, and because the Portland and the Multnomah County uh, community of people of color is so close knit, and people are interrelated, then it crosses into um, I would say deeper lines of the trauma and how it impacts us. So we need more community health workers and we need the nonprofit organizations like our faith base, our other nonprofits who also provide services working together to collaboratively help people to get back intact the family. The family is the foundation. I don't care what you say because I remember as a child watching my parents both from us go from poverty to middle class. How they did that, both of my parents worked. My dad worked for the steel mill. My mom was the first female black telecommunication engineer project manager for North Pacific Northwest Bell. And I watched us go from free lunch to reduce lunch to paying for our breakfast, our lunches, and going from there to um, living in an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment or two-bedroom apartment to another two-bedroom apartment until my parents finally saved money 
and then we bought a four bedroom three level house over mm -hmm. on 17th and Killingsworth and my parents were able to remodel that home and that's where we live all the way up until we all graduated from high school mm -hmm. so I know that it's possible and I know the way to do it and so where I see the county and the city have fell down is the number two area public safety our public safety which consists of for the county the DA's office he mm. has the power to press charges and send people to mm -hmm. jail mm -hmm. the sheriff is the jailer they manage three facilities where they keep people locked up who get um, sentences for two years and less everybody else is going to the Donald E long or down to Salem to one of the prisons or to a federal prison mm -hmm. then there are the judges so the public safety right now is receiving over 45 percent mm -hmm. of all county dollars 950 million dollars people mm -hmm. that is way too much money to be going to locking people up that money should be redirected instead of us having so many jails that money needs to go into turning our sheriffs and the jail system more into an educational focus. We as black people know that, I think, for the most part, that mm -hmm. that that there's a lot of focus on jailing us, right, black and brown bodies, right, and not focus on empowering us, right. We've been we've been saying that for a while. Right, but, but we they haven't. have been continuing to do the same business as usual. White supremacy 101. I don't care if it's unjust. I'm going to do it because that's what I need to do to stay on top. How do we Well, how do we overcome white supremacy in Portland, Oregon? I have been working on this since 2008, since okay. one of my children's friends committed suicide because he was being harassed by the police and I asked the Lord for myself and uh, as like I said I'm a believer mm -hmm. and I was sick and tired of seeing young men like yourself when I would when I would see them on the street when I when they would come and ask me for a job I would always ask what do you want to do with your life and I'm not lying God is my witness and I affirm this word that I'm about to say is the truth mm. every last one of them would say they did not believe they were gonna live past 25 and at that moment, I knew that I needed to do something different. So I started a summer youth work program called Y2ABC, Youth and Young Adult Being Connected. And I wrote a book called The Investment Portfolio. And I'm going to grab that while I'm talking mm -hmm. because I connected the two together. What uh, my book does and what the program did was it allowed me to work with young people who were being impacted by gang violence and our young people, um, brothers and sisters, children, cousins that were being sucked in by the older kids. Mm -hmm. And so ages 11 through 26. So when I started the summer youth work program, I wrote grants with the city of Portland, with Metro, and I got partners. I convened different stakeholders. I recruited over 30 businesses, over at least 10 other organizations that we did um, projects with 
to be able to help our young people connect their education to their career future. Um, I actually give them a personality test to be able to help them identify their two top areas of passion that they will be able to research and understand who they really are. Because as a county commissioner, what I see where we fail to help our young people recognize their intrinsic value and who they are and their potential is that we have to ignite the passion and success for them. And so as a county commissioner, I want to see our nonprofits and our schools helping our young people connect to 21st century employment opportunities. But the way I see it is that we have to deploy their gift. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by deploying their gift, instead of them just focusing on one area, they have to know what their passion is. And then we have to tie that into their coursework so that there's three areas that we help them to focus on. Their educational goals, then there's their extracurricular, and then civic engagement. And as they do that, then they're getting exposed to different career opportunities mm. that are beyond maybe their environment so if, if I were to ask you, Emmanuel, what would you want to do when you grew up? And you would say, oh, I want to be a doctor. And I, I would say to you, what kind of doctor? Because there are all types of expertise areas, a surgeon, a neurosurgeon, a, 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 a orthopedic surgeon, a, 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 a podiatrist, mm -hmm. you know, a um, ophthalmologist, the, you know, so there are ways that we need to help our young people really tap into more than just saying, I want to be, you know, a police officer or I, you know, what, what is the expertise? What is that thing that makes you unique, that gives you the value proposition that's unlike anything or anyone else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, so that would be something that you would, you would want to um, is that something that's going on right now? Um, it's, I believe that the county is using a form of my model, but okay. they're not using the it in, in, in its entirety. Yeah. And I would definitely want to see something like that happen because I know that it works, mm -hmm. um, because I used it for my own children mm -hmm. and then I used it for, for the program. And within that six to eight weeks, the lights go on for people. Mm -hmm. They recognize that there's something different. And this book is not just for students and youth. It's also for, for adults. Mm -hmm. So it's another way for adults that are 18 and older to reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. So if a person is stuck or they've fallen down and, you know, they just stuck in an area, this book will help them to identify by doing the personality test, by writing out what it is that they want to be able to do. And within four to six years, they can change their whole trajectory. And how do I know that? Because I've done it mm -hmm. at least two times mm. to be able to refire, retool, and to change my trajectory as well. Mm -hmm. And it takes a commitment from the individual. So everybody has to come to the table saying, I'm willing, I'm committed to doing the work because nothing happens by itself. So it takes the person recognizing that the services are here, 
but it'll take you to do the work. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need the community health workers and the success coaches that instead of using sheriffs as jailers, let's, let's turn their title around and let's say, let's make them really resource officers that help coach people to identifying success, success. Doesn't that sound much better than let me lock you up and you got to come down here and pay a fine for being on probation? And what does that get you? Doesn't get you anything. It just makes you matter and matter because you don't get a return off of paying a monthly probation fee when you're not having success. And so that's where I want to convene business owners and corporate businesses mm -hmm. and have a round table because I really believe this as a business person, as a business major, as someone who has coached and developed people. I also did success coaching with inside track, which we coach for retention for, um, college first and second year students to make sure that they complete their degrees is that when we give people the support that they need, and that just means pulling out what's already in on the inside of them. We just help them to unlock that. But when employers give people opportunities. So say if we had 10 employers here mm -hmm. and I asked the 10 employers, okay, you hire one person and then let's just go down the line. Mm -hmm. You hire the next person, the next person, because that's what affirmative action really did mm -hmm. is that it provided access and opportunity into career tracks that people of color were not getting the opportunities for. Mm -hmm. And it worked, it worked, it worked, it worked. And part of the issue with this whole, what you said, white supremacists is a, is, is a, I would call it a myth, a fallacy, and it's a fear that's being perpetuated and projected because we have not been willing to unlock the matrix of these two areas, the law of sowing and reaping and the law of physics. When you plant good seed, you get a good harvest. When anything moving forward in the same direction gains momentum, the law of physics says. So when we're combining those two together, we actually get a synthesis and a synergy of systems that are actually unlocked. It opens up the innovation and creativity of people's minds. So when you don't have trauma and stress, holding and weighting you down and triggering your brain to where it can't function fully, then you don't get the opportunity to fully tap in to all of yourself 100%. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem is that we have too much daily trauma going on mm -hmm. for people to truly have the mindset to focus. And so that comes with the public health dollars from the county. Mm -hmm. Our dollars are not being used in the mental health and the public health to really help people be able to be the best that they can be. Mm -hmm. And now, I want to do an audit. So as so as commissioner, how many other people 
Because, you, I mean, once you get in that position, there's you can't, four, there's four, four. There's four other commissioners. So there's three commissioners plus the chair. Mm-hmm. But we're all commissioners and we manage a budget. Mm-hmm. So there's 10 areas that um, those commissioners actually um, manage. Mm-hmm. And the 10 areas, the top, uh, let me see here. I have it written down. Um and I already said the first three. So the county basically manages mental health. They do have housing. They have the public safety. They have public health. They manage the bridges. Mm-hmm. They manage the libraries. They manage 31 health clinics. Mm-hmm. They issue marriage license. They collect property taxes. They also collect taxes for other municipalities. And they manage the um, Humane Society. So. So that's there's a lot of good lot of lot of areas right there right. that they that they're hitting on. So with you being in that seat, yes, being one of four, right, plus a chair, yes, um, and there's five. someone. So so five people. Five. So there are there are things that are going on right now. The mm-hmm. the budget is set up the way that it is. Mm-hmm. How do you think you would be able to be instrumental in Changing these mindsets of people that it's, would it's, that that would give forty five percent of the budget. It's to... already happening. Okay. It's already happening since I filed for commissioner. Okay. I've um, witnessed and heard them already um, doing an audit on the mental health piece that mm-hmm. one of the commissioners has already started. Um, the sheriff. I actually just heard a commercial on the TV this week mm-hmm. that they are looking at implementing. They said that the program has been in effect for a year where instead of sending people to jail for being drug addicts, they're now going to send them. They have two choices, mm-hmm. either get treatment or go to jail. So because people with drug addictions of any kind, it's a disease. See, but but what uh, what people are saying about that, right? Let is me because hear. white people are being affected by meth. They're, right. They're saying when it was crack, and it's, it's the same thing. And, and opiates. And so they said when it was a heroin. black problem, right? Right. They, oh, throw them in jail. But yes. now that it's a white problem, yes. hey, they need treatment. So we leverage it. We just have to leverage. So we got to leverage that. Leverage it and call it what it is, mm-hmm. and know that. But. You actually need someone like me because my opponents are not like me. I've been on the forefront of calling this out for years. Mm -hmm. I've asked the DA, I said, why haven't you worked yourself out of a job when you've seen all of these boys and black and brown young men getting arrested, getting um, sentences that were outrageous why didn't you have any concern to do anything about it? What'd they say? And he couldn't answer me because he know he's been in the wrong. But now they're trying to change it. You know, Miss Amanda Lamb, who was one of the analyst. She she mm-hmm. was the analyst mm-hmm. that created the database, the dashboard mm-hmm. for them to analyze all of their data. Mm-hmm. And when she when the county got the request from the Portland Tribune and she presented it. Then she got a request from Las Vegas and they paid for her to go and present the information and it exposed the level of the disparity of what was happening here in Portland. And And what happened to her? And they fired her. 
They fired her and said that she did not have the authority or was not given permission to share the information. Well, mm-hmm. yes, you did because it was a public request and you paid for her to go and present in Las Vegas. So they did. So I heard from another from, source. From another source. Yeah. That was very close to that situation. Mm-hmm. Was saying that she went on her own accord. No. They no. paid for her to go. They paid for her, but her. they but they didn't review the material. Is that is that no? What it was? They they reviewed the material too. So why she get fired? Because it was the same material that she presented to the Portland Tribune. So what was their cause of firing her? They said that it made the judges and the DA look bad, and they actually made her go and apologize. So, but I'm saying if they knew what was in there before, why didn't they say if they knew it was going to make them look bad? Why did they allow her to go to Vegas? You know, they just. I just believe they didn't realize how articulate and how clear the information when other people hear it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I heard it the first time, I was like, oh. I read a little bit about it. I really want to get my hands on the whole thing. Yeah. Is that available? The, yeah, I have the video. You got I, it? I have the audio. Is it on YouTube? Um, I'm not sure if it's still on YouTube, but I, but, I, but I have a copy of it. <laughs> it was just like, nope. <laughs> I, have, I have a copy of it. I have uh, a copy How of long it. is it? It's probably about like 15 minutes, 15, 30 but just, minutes. But that's all you needed. Yes. That's yes. all you needed. And I actually met with her and she said, nope. They gave me permission. They paid for everything, the whole trip. They paid my airfare. They paid for my hotel. And it was work-related. Can you plug me with her? I want to talk to her. Yeah, I have her information. I want to talk to her. Like I wasn't sure. Like when it first went down, I kind of wanted to, and I had somebody was close to her. I was just like, I'm gonna let it kind of die down. Right. I don't don't know what how she feels. Like she's trying to get another job. Well, she actually is working for the city of Portland. So, so can she talk about it? You know, you'll have to ask her. Okay. Yeah, okay. you'll have to ask her. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. intrigues me because I know it's bad. Yes. Like we like we know it's terrible. You know what I mean? Really, so, really bad. And so, and but that's what I'm saying. So because, like, there's that, and that's recent. Right. Like they don't even want the truth to be presented right now in 2017, yes. 2018. So how are they going to deal with the truth? Well, that's... In, in six months or four months or whenever you get in all, like, How are they going to deal with the truth? Well, that's part of the problem of this election and this race. Mm-hmm. And that's why they are running the candidate that they're running, Shashila Japal, to prevent... Oh, she's handpicked. She's handpicked. Mm. Yes. She's handpicked. And they basically have pushed, put all the money behind her Ooh. to try to influence the vote as well as the endorsement process. Mm. And that's why I've been calling it out as much as I possibly can in all of the forums. Because the fact that she's gotten um, people on board that should not be supporting her because she's not known, she's never run before, she's um, been an attorney, a corporate attorney, so she she says she has a background, but she says, well, I've sat on boards where I help to make decisions about where money goes, but she's not connected to the people. Mm. And if that makes sense, if you don't know that we call this the beloved community, that this is the heart and soul of Portland, and you live on certain street, but you've never passed 15th West, and you've never been to to St. John's. And so you saying she she hasn't went up the hill 
<laughs> no. Fifteenth and Fremont. No. She went to Whole Foods. Whole Foods. And went back home. And went back. Home. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and so I said, you know what? The I wanted to make this clear even today when we had the City Club Forum, mm-hmm. um, just to say that uh, you know if she was all that, she wouldn't be getting challenged. Okay, mm-hmm. because we don't challenge one another when we know your track record. Mm-hmm. If you've actually demonstrated courage, if she's an attorney, where was she when James Perez got shot and killed by the Portland police? Mm-hmm. Where was she at when um, James Chassie was uh, choker hold as a mental health patient and killed on the public sidewalk? Did she call his family to represent them? Um, what about when... Um, Kendra James was shot by the police. Hmm. What was she there to facilitate negotiations on the civil suit for the, for her family? Hmm. You know, where was she for the Martin Luther King marches that we've done here in the community? Mm-hmm. Where has she been as it relates to injustice? Injustice as a brown woman. Where has she been? So you're saying she's not in these streets, is that? Is that no, she's okay. she's not been on the front line. Mm-hmm. She's not been on the front line. She's not poured out her life. She's not given to organizations. She's she's uh, played a real good dog and pony show. Mm. Oh, I'm for Planned Parenthood. Well, Planned Parenthood actually is known as a racist entity that Margaret Sanger who was the mm. original founder, Tell them. Uh, uh, she hated black people Tell them. and wanted us to be annihilated. Mm-hmm. So you really stand for Planned Parenthood as it relates to uh, what their founding principles were? And you're a brown woman? So that just tells me she's disconnected. Well, I, I think that's, and that's funny that you say that, um, I think that's a big misconception um, I've been having these conversations a lot sure. with our people. Yes. So um, there is this misconception that black, I, and I don't like the, the colorization stuff, but I mean, that's how people use the term. So we'll use, I'll use the term. Right. With our people. Yes. Black people. Right. We think that black and brown are supposed to be together. Right. Right. They do not see it that way. No, they do we, not. We look at them like, hey, y'all y'all in the struggle right, like us. Right. They look at us like, mm, that's them over there. Exactly. And so I, I think we get it misconstrued that we think that just because we see a person of color, mm-hmm. like our skin folk, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and that's one thing I'm starting to realize more and more. Like I had that misconception. I haven't really talked it out, but now I'm starting to talk to them. It's like, you know. They don't, they don't have our best interest at heart. Well, just think about this. When um, she introduces herself, every time she says, I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying you're an immigrant when you're an American? So you don't hear me as a black woman saying, I'm an immigrant or I'm the child of a slave. No, I'm an American. And, uh, you, you know, even Maria, who is, you know, they both say, I'm an immigrant. You don't hear Mr. Bruce Bassar say, I'm a slave, a child of a slave. No, mm-hmm. we're Americans. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. And that's one of the things as commissioner I want to address. Mm-hmm. It's time for us 
as people of color to change the narrative that has been put out there and defined by dominant culture. That's what the county needs. There is a practice and pattern of behavior of how employees have been uh, treated at the county. That's another one of my platforms is changing the culture at the county. How is it that the county chair, who is a woman of color, she is a Jew, had called another woman of color the B word? Okay, I don't even what use is, what the is B a, word. What does a Jew? What does that mean? Exactly. But she's a woman of color. Who? The Jew. She not a woman of color. Yes, she is. What? 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 What is a Jew? Is a culture. So what? What is she though? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Is she European? Jew, no, she. Well, her skin color looks European. Okay. But her culture is a person of color. No, it's not. So there's a problem. Her culture. That that's that's a disconnect. European Jews. Yeah. Are European. So, so, so there's a disconnect. So she's white. <laughs> yes. So that's a problem here in Multnomah County because for years they have perpetuated the oppression and marginalization of people of color, whether brown, whether black, whether Native American, and they've pitted us all against each other. And because we're the only race that can't camouflage ourselves exactly into the European. We don't get no privilege. Like a Jew could get white privilege. We can't get no white privilege. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's where me as commissioner, I'll be able to go to the root of that in policy, in um, dialogue, in discussion. And I'm not afraid to do that. I have courage. I've already been doing it. And I think that's why I'm also getting the pushback and not getting the support um, openly. I won't say that people are not going to vote for me because I believe I'm going to win or this is going to go to a runoff because there are a lot of people that are tired and sick and tired of the way that this county and this city has treated people of color. That's real. What is, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but that budget, you said 45%. 45% of the county's $2.1 billion, 40 million of that is the reserved contingency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 1.7 billion, $1.7 billion is the county's actual physical budget mm -hmm. that they use and 45% of that 950 million mm -hmm. goes to the public safety which is to run the jails the DA's office and the judges and it focuses on intervention and not prevention mm -hmm. could you imagine as a young black man um, what if we redirected those funds to make sure that every person who has ever went into a jail was able to get coached in a job. What difference would that make instead of continuing to send people down? Oh, I know it'll make a difference, but those that are in power, they have an agenda. So they have an agenda. So, so, so how many of, I mean, cause what we're really, what it's going to take is we have to be the majority in that, in these commissioner positions. 
Well, right now, everybody in that position is a woman of color. You have an Asian woman, you have a Latina woman, you have two Jews, <laughs> so, and you have a, a black woman that's sitting. But what I believe is there's a paradigm shift. Yeah, that's true. I, I, actually, I the, the, the ethnicity may not have it. If you, if you think like them, you're going to do like them. Right. Yeah. And so... And, and so right now we need a shift. Yes. We need a paradigm shift. Yes. And right now they haven't been able to do it because people on there are bought and bossed and I am unbought, mm. but full of courage. Mm -hmm. And I have been a woman in a non-traditional field for the last 25 years. So I've been pushing up and broke the glass ceiling mm -hmm. as a woman in construction, as a carpenter, as a sprinkler fitter, running my own construction company, going toe to toe in management and operations of my business, wearing all the hats. So as not only a CEO, but as human resources, as the VP of marketing, mm. as a supervisor, as someone who does the training. So I've ran the whole gamut before I hired people. As I built my company, I know what it takes to birth a company. I, I actually have my MBA. Um, I've taken the um, Haran program. Hmm. And so I know what it takes to take a company all the way to IPO. Hmm. That's what the master's program is. Mm -hmm. um, and But I've run a company successfully. I've managed over 200 people at one time. Um, and I've been doing business for over 30 years. So I'm bringing a skill set that's unique, but also what it's gonna take in an environment where, guess what? People don't expect you to excel, don't expect you to think um, outside of the box, and I'm an outside of the box thinker. Mm -hmm. That's how I've been able to get to where I am and beyond. Really quick, in five minutes, if you had $5 million independently at your fingertips as the district commissioner or. Yep. Yep. District commissioner. District commissioner. How are you spending that $5 million? So off the top of your head. So off the top of my head, what I would do is have an assessment done on all of the programs that currently an independent um, audit on all of the programs that receive um, county funds within those three top areas mm -hmm. and I would evaluate what the return is and see if we need to where we need to redirect those funds but I would also convene business stakeholders and corporate businesses because I believe we have the ability to self-correct these areas and make a real sh shift and a change in this culture and in our market right now we're at a good time because of the president <laughs> who is in office and people are sick and tired of being oppressed and being traumatized because our president is released 
all of this hate. Mm. But the one thing that is done is it, it has exposed the wound at its core. And I believe that we have the ability to heal as a nation if we're willing to clean out that wound and address it at the root. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would take the $5 million and utilize that for an independent audit, do an assessment, mm -hmm. convene all stakeholders, and have a few roundtables and bring all the players in um, because a lot of people have some really good ideas and I believe we're at a good time. It's sort of like the Harlem Renaissance. Mm. When you bring all the musicians together, <laughs> they, they, can, they can make some really good creative and innovative music when they're jamming together. Mm. And I'm a whiteboard type of person. I like to just say, let's, let's throw this up on the board. Let me hear what you got. And then by the time we get what everybody's talking about, we'll be able to synthesize and synergize and come up with some really good solutions mm, that's good. to so move us in a right positive direction. I like that. So yeah. some research and development yeah. and then we execute from there. That's right. Like that's that. right. Sure. SWOT analysis. Mm, look uh -huh. at that. <laughs> the NBA coming Strength, through. Strength, uh -huh. weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Right. Mm, let's go. All yeah. right. So we're going to take a sharp left. Okay. That was some good content right okay. there. I'm going to get into my, what I call, Fab Five questions. Five questions that I ask everybody that comes on the show. Okay. So, what's your favorite genre of music? You know, I've been really digging jazz. Jazz. Yes. So, tell me what artist or album made you fall in love with jazz? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I love how... Um, the station um, KMHD okay. just it really just does a great job. Um, I when I'm in the car, that's when I mostly listen mm -hmm. to it. When I'm at home, I do more of um, contemporary gospel. Okay, so um, I just like whatever they play. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, any artists in particular that you like? Oh, you know, Coltrane. Let me just throw that on out okay. there. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic. All right. Yeah. Is there a movie that has affected your outlook on life? Oh, boy. Um, there's a couple. Uh -huh. So the first one is Finding Forrester. Okay. And I actually got to see that in the year of 2000 when I was in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. I went on a 10-day trip for the George Bush inauguration. Oh, wow. And when I was there, I watched the movie. And for me, it was a transitional pivotal time in my life and I really felt like it gave me it inspired me and it gave me courage to move into my destiny mm. and then the second one I would say Wakanda, Wakanda. Hey. <laughs> that Black Panther man the oh Black Panther yeah. and really uh, what for me what I've gotten out of that is I can't go to Africa yet but I felt like I visited Africa just a little piece just just a little bit yeah. just, just the tapping into the the culture piece for us as black people because I've always thought um, you know i you know, can we change our names? And then I said, okay, you know, even prayed about it. I said, Lord, do I change my name? He said, you already did. So my nickname is Sherry, mm -hmm. but my birth name is Sharon. So mm -hmm. he said, you already did. <laughs> so that's your one change. That's my one change. Yeah, but um, Black Panther 
what I feel that it has done for um, black America is just giving us a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. I like that song that I sang. Speaking at- of a sense of pride, <laughs> you started that thing oh, off 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. You was out oh, there. Okay. So what? But it was two songs that you sung. Yeah, the Mar- Mariah Carey, the hero. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I combined you those can- two verses mm-hmm. and I just really felt that. And people probably didn't understand what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. but I'm calling forth from each person that potential that's locked up on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I want folks, because that's what the movies have done for me. Mm-hmm. It said, guess what? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Let me see you. Show me who you are. Yeah. Become who you're supposed to be. Let your purpose come forth. Mm. And as a county commissioner, I believe we can do that by the policies and by the way we make sure that that budget addresses real needs. Mm. I like that. And the the piece that too, I haven't talked about as much is um, the county's budget is only supposed to be a safety net. I'm trying to get folks off of dependence. Mm-hmm. That's just like, okay, we're going to keep you coming back, coming back so we can keep asking for more money. No, I want people to get developed to where that they don't have the need for county services anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to see them in the working class and paying into the tax structure because they have employment that is helping them to be all that they can be. Mm-hmm. And they you only utilize county services when there is a real emergent need, not for a way of living. Well, it sounds like, to get back into that just briefly, it sounds like even though it's for emergency services or or whatever, what you said. Yes, emergency services. Emergency services, a lot of that money isn't going for that. Exactly. And that's why we need to And they're it. using it. They're like, all right, we're going to, this is supposed to be done for this. We're going to put this over here. Yes. This is how yes. we yes. control. Yeah, control. Yep. Control. This is how there we it control is. these people. There it is. There it is. You know what There I mean? it is. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. But that... You just that's, nailed it. That's what it. this country is built upon. It's built, it's built upon controlling us. Okay. They scared. They scared of us, and they can't deport us. But they, <laughs> but they don't have to be scared or afraid of us. That's why I said that we have the ability to be light years beyond where we're at. Mm-hmm. If in that, folks would quit thinking so small and limiting the human capital. We have failed to manage human resources, the resources, the human capital that w- lies within each person. Mm-hmm. We, have, we haven't began to unlock the innovation and the ingenuity that's in each person. We could be on new planets. We could be doing other things that would help to save this planet. But because we're thinking so small and so limited, mm-hmm. we're blocking our ability to get the release. Mm, that's real. Question number three. When you start to feel overwhelmed, how do you de-stress? So that's a good question because I actually had that happen yesterday. Mm. And it 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 kind of it wasn't a surprise to me, but um really what I have done for the over the last 
almost 30 something years of my life Mm -hmm. is I know how to pull back and pull in Mm -hmm. and take a break. Mm -hmm. As a business owner, as as a woman in construction, I've um, faced a lot of challenges. I've been under a lot of pressure, but I've learned how to walk in this sphere and that when someone asked me, you know, Sharon, this is going to be a heavy lift. I said, no, it can't be any heavier than being a woman in construction and being challenged on a daily basis, hmm. not just by your employees, but by men who really don't feel that you should be there because they feel that you're challenging their manhood when that's not why you're there. Um, you're there to be a woman who likes doing what she's doing and sees uh, where this can benefit the community to bring people into gainful employment and also to bring my skill set to this career track and make a really good income for myself and for my family and Mm -hmm. to be a role model for my children and my grandchildren. So it has nothing to do with challenging men. I'm there really to help other men that I have not seen get the opportunity that I've seen dominant culture get. Hmm. I've been able to open the door for men of color. And when I've had people come to my company and and make statements about, about why did I hire certain people, I have to remind them this is a company that's about giving people an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so the way I um, take care of myself, uh, my faith is strong. I take a step back and I give myself space to chill when I need to. Mm-hmm. And I've learned how to work on my business and not in my business. Work on my business? On my business. And not in my And business. not in my business. I hire people to run the business, but I work on the business. Mm, I like that. Yeah. You've been Wakanda before Wakanda was even here. <laughs> That's right. You've been a female <laughs> boss just handling your business. Yes. Uh, taking care of the village. Yes. At, yes. By any means necessary. By any and means. ain't nobody going to tell you because you're a woman, you can't do this. That's you had right. your spear yes. in the community. Yes. I've been carrying my staff. Yeah. Opening doors providing access and creating bridges as well as facilitating wealth creation and an example and knocking even in the odds of when people tell me no, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. And I actually have been accepted as one of them Mm. into the circle. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been, my company has been signatory to Local 290, which is the plumber, steam fitter, and pipe fitters, mm-hmm. which was, which is the hardest union to work with and group of people that um, are very, very shrewd. I'll use that word. <laughs> um, I've been signatory to the painters. Um, I've been in circles uh, with people in high places mm-hmm. and, um, you know, always been challenged, but I've never let that discourage me. And my parents have been my role models. Um, I'm the oldest of my siblings and my dad 
you know, was in military Mm -hmm. and he taught me that you got to take care of business. And my mom showed me how to take care of business. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm very blessed and I've learned from their example, you know, how to do that. Mm, That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Question number four, what book would you recommend for everyone to read right now? Oh, let's see. Um, Hmm. Oh, the book that I would recommend is The Great Migration, Mm. Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. Mm -hmm. And why I say that is... I've seen her speak. I've never read the book, but I I need to read it. (laughs) Yeah. The reason why I say that, because I think especially for millennials Mm -hmm. and the younger generation where you all haven't really felt or experienced at the level um, of discrimination Mm. that people who, as myself, I'm at the very end of baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually was bussed out. Um, I actually experienced riots as a kid. Mm. Um, My parents were um, sharecroppers. My great-grandparents were sharecroppers. My mother actually picked cotton. Wow. And my grandparents picked cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, you know, I'm connected to their history in a way, and I've experienced myself. And so I believe the Great Migration will give uh, millennials and our, I would say, my grandchildren the opportunity to connect and relate to history in a way that they haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. But it also gives you some context of the struggle yeah. of where we have really come from and the the sacrifice that people have made to allow you to vote to have the jobs to live you know to be able to come and go anywhere now in the world mm-hmm. without you know too much um, backlash and fear i would say you know, the, the fear of losing your life other than to the police, you don't have that same type of fear where you where you would feel like you could go somewhere and you would get just lynched automatically. Mm-hmm. So that sacrifice, that fear has been taken away. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I need, I need to read that book. She came out here when she released the book a couple yes. of years ago and yes. she was at Reed College. Yes. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it was just, I heard a lot of the stories so I was yes. like maybe I need to read the book now but yeah. I, I think I know I still need to read it yeah. so yeah that's, that's yeah. a good one for sure. Yeah. Um, last question. What message do you want communicated at your eulogy? Oh wow. You know I have thought about that quite a bit mm-hmm. um, because I've dealt with a health um, issue most of my adult life and I've already come thought about it because um, I believe that God is a healer and he's he gave me a promise. He said that the issue I was dealing with was not a sickness unto death but that it would be for his glory. But in the in the um, instance of where when I pass, um, I want people to know that my I've poured out. <laughs> I've poured out myself. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, and I've given it all that I have, and I finished 
I finished my assignment. Right. Because I'll take you back to, you know, 1993 when I told God, I said, I want to live what you said in this word. Mm. I want to see the providence. I want to see your sovereignty. And he's not failed me. Mm. And because he's not failed me, then I have surrendered my will to uh, my assignment. And whatever he asks of me, I'm available. Mm. That's one of my favorite songs. Mm. I'm available to you, God. You have my hands. You have my feet. All of me belongs to you. And I want, want it to be said that Sharon... Um, was passionate about her assignment. She loved people to the point to where they was like, here she comes, here she comes, that lady, that lady, here she comes. They scatter when she walks, comes by, because they're like, not me, not me. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Sharon, I must say, you are impressive. Thank like you. really, um, Thank you. you stood out. Well, you opened it up in a very unique way. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, but like when you when you talked, um, it's like the way that you project your voice. Yes, is different. Yes, it's like there's a certain conviction that you have. Yes, and there's a certain assurance that you have Confident. that everyone up there did not have. Right. W- with right. all due respect, it yes. was really maybe two, maybe three of y'all up there. Yes, that had that like. All right, I I believe what you're saying. Right. You know. Right. Um. Right. And so that really stood out to me. And now, now, I, and that's why I want. I reached out to you. Like, I want to hear more of her story. Yes. You know, I think she yes. had a lot more to say. Because when you you did the song, but then you said I have a track record of results. Like, all right, what what she do? Yes. And then every time, you know, it's two. Like you said, two three minutes. Right. And the, doesn't what is give that? You, it doesn't give you much time to really tell it in a way where you can tell it all. Right. And so you I, I only can give you little little samples little like snippets. here here's a little spoon bite. Right. Bam. And right. it's like, dang, I want some more of that. Right. I'm getting <laughs> these Costco samples of like I I want to take the thing home and you know, uh, uh, make you know, a few meals. Yeah, exactly. You know? Let let me break that off a little bit. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah, I appreciate you for, you know, coming on and doing this and yeah. just sharing your story. Yeah. You know? Well you know, I really um feel like this is my time um, because I'm vested, I'm invested in the community. I really have poured my life mm-hmm. into this district. Um, people ask me why run for county and not for the city. Well, first of all, um, the city is 95 neighborhoods, whereas one district I could don't have to raise as much money. Mm-hmm. I can get out and about and I don't have as much territory to cover. Mm-hmm. And because I've lived in this area most of my life, um, that I understand the circumstances, the situation, the history. And the last two years, I actually was very strategic in my ability. I've met with over 150 people every week. For the last two years. Wow. Because I wanted to connect to folks all across this city mm-hmm. and be able to hear what they were thinking, but also to keep my face out there and oh, my yeah. name. Oh, yeah. And um, and also because this is a dominant culture, mm-hmm. very homogenized. Mm-hmm. And so they always want to minimize our voice or minimize 
um, our significance mm -hmm. and the the opportunities that I've had to connect have been always very positive. I couldn't have written better scripts. Wow. So I huh? so I yeah so I find it a very you know good timing and um, everyone that I've met with they said wow either you really stretched me or they're like Sharon you're someone that has a lot of good things that you want that you need to be heard on mm -hmm. and that you should keep saying yeah so and I'm I'm thankful that I've had this opportunity to be able to, you know, connect with so many people. Mm -hmm. And it also has given me a new perspective on Portland, um, one unlike what I had before. Mm -hmm. Even in being a businesswoman, I get around, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I got to really connect with a lot of the new people yeah. coming to the city. That don't know the stories. That don't know the stories. Mm -hmm. And they were because, like... Because, you know, we, we were dinosaurs. Yes. Like, now when I go places, oh, oh, you're from Portland? Oh, oh, tell us about what it was like <laughs> right? here in the 90s? Right. Oh, my goodness. Right. I heard it was dangerous. Over there. I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> right. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> right. And so, North and Northeast Portland gets such a rap. Yep. And I say, you know what? It was bad, but it wasn't that bad because the beloved community... We are about each other. So, yeah. yeah no doubt about yeah. it. Man, I, that's a whole nother topic right there. Talking about New Portland versus Old Portland. <laughs> right. and Portlandia. Portlandia. Uh, oh, man. Uh, that's, that's what happened. Yes. When that yes. show came on, all these people flooded. Yes. The past five, six yes. years. And it's just like that yes. show just took us, took the city to a different place. It, it did. And yeah. what, the word that I hear from people is Portland is all grown up. Uh, mm. uh, I said, what? Yep. Broke up? Yep. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Well, the uh, the election is May... 15th. 15th. Yes, but the ballots go out at the end of April. End of April. Yes, and so you'll want to get those turned in sooner than later because mm -hmm. it helps with the polling. Yeah. It helps for results. Mm -hmm. um, if you get them turned in quickly... Then we're not waiting around on May 15th right. till 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and so y'all, yes. man, it, it is very important to yeah. get out early, turn yes. them in early yep. because those early results do persuade yes. those that have yes. not done their research. Exactly. And exactly. so I want y'all to get out there and know who you're going to vote for yeah. and make it happen. So there's a couple of things. Um, I'm needing volunteers. We're going to be canvassing. Um, starting this next Saturday, April 7th, we'll be at the Sons of Haiti Lodge from 11 to 1. We're just going to blanket the neighborhood. I have over 20,000 um, mailers that will go door to door, just be dropping off um, at people's doors. And so if you have the uh, time and you can give two hours either to canvassing or phone banking, that's where we'll be both Saturdays and Sundays. And you can visit the website, Sharon, the number four, county2.com, and we'll have the schedule up on the website. And if you have any further questions, 971-225-2835. That's Maxwell, Maxwell, Sharon Maxwell for Commissioner, mm. District 2. Thank you. You put the cell phone out there. Yes. You, yes. Ain't, you ain't playing no games. I, I'm trying to get. I, <laughs> we want the job. I want the position because I believe I have the best qualifications at 
such a time as this in this time right now to make the difference that none of my opponents have ever tried to do or will be able to do. My background best uh, matches the role and responsibilities of a commissioner. Mm. Y'all heard it. I don't got to say nothing. Sharon did her job. You know what I mean? So she been Wakanda before Wakanda. Right. She's been a boss. Okay. Okay. She's been in these streets. Yes. All right. So, uh, yeah, I ain't, I ain't got to do nothing else. If y'all want to uh, contact me, hit me up um, at SXSNDLS on Twitter. That's for the that's the show Twitter. The show Instagram at SXSNDLS. My personal Instagram, Emmanuel since 85 Hit me up, man. But uh, I'm glad y'all have hung out with us for the last hour and 27 minutes. I hope you enjoyed it, every bit of it. And uh, share this with your friends. Like on, um, on, uh, uh, and where am I? I'm losing my, all right. SoundCloud, like, and, and subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, leave a comment. Let me know what y'all think about the episode. If you have any further questions, hit me up, hit up Sharon. And we will get back to you ASAP. All right. But appreciate y'all for, for listening. Grace and peace to y'all. And once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide. And we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. And that's exactly what we've done today. All right. Holla at y'all later. Peace. Truest speech, true and deep from the loosest leaves of my loose leaf. My flaws and all, see. I'm fragile, but by grace I am choosing peace over losing sleep. And I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these pre-release. Nike sacks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. I hear the voice set up unacclaimed. Yeah, hear the voice set up unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo. Maybe it's a fad, but maybe just in fact I was used to wearing bad shoes. Uh. Nike socks, working stocks. Oh, what a faux pas. Unmasked, unabashed, unashamed. Uh, hit a voice set of unacclaimed. Yeah, hit a voice set of unacclaimed. Maybe that's a taboo.